Hello, and welcome to the Star Wars Countdown from Some Like It Scott. I'm Scott Harvey, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts for this series, Scott Shelton and Jay Habib. We are officially in the home stretch of this countdown, as today we kick off the sequel trilogy with Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Set 30 years after the events of Return of the Jedi, The Force Awakens takes place in a world where the Rebellion has been replaced by the Resistance, and the Empire has been replaced by the First Order. Luke Skywalker, the alleged last remaining Jedi, has gone into hiding, but Resistance pilot Poe Dameron, played by Oscar Isaac, and General Leia Organa, played by Carrie Fisher, are determined to locate him using a map that Poe has been given by Lor Santeca. However, through a series of unfortunate events, the map and the droid in which it is housed, BB-8, end up in the possession of Rey, a lonely scavenger on the desert planet of Jakku, played by Daisy Ridley. Abandoned by her parents at a young age, Rey isn't the most likely of heroes, but she's called into action when the First Order comes seeking the droid and must team up with rogue stormtrooper Finn, played by John Boyega, and a grizzled Han Solo, played by Harrison Ford, to help the Resistance locate Luke. Opposing them, however, is Sith Lord Kylo Ren, played by Adam Driver, and the mysterious overlord of the First Order, Snoke. Jay, we'll start with you. With The Force Awakens, J.J. Abrams was attempting to take Star Wars in a fresh direction to leave behind the bad taste left by the prequels. Does he succeed in doing so, or is The Force Awakens still missing that spark of the original trilogy? So he definitely took it uh, far, far away from the prequel trilogy, in my opinion. I think so far he might have taken it all the way back to the original trilogy. Um if I'm not mistaken. I mean, this movie was so, so, so much fun. Uh, But, you know, if we're going to talk about, you know, comparing this to previous movies uh, and how it stacks up, I mean, this is the story of a what young... I I wrote this down. I'm not going to read the whole thing because I'm realizing it's extra. But essentially, you have, you know, a young scavenger from a desert planet leaving after an ambush with Han Solo and Chewie. There's a Death Star. They even use the same lightsaber. I mean, there's a lot of common ground here, right? It's not just me. There, yes, there is. It's a common critique of the movie. Yeah, I mean, just to go directly off of what Jay was saying, I think that there are a lot of similarities in terms of, you know, the the main actors, so to speak. And I don't mean that in terms of the people who are playing the roles, but just the people in the story, right? So, like you said, you have this this person who this desert <laughs> this person from a desert planet who that's all they know in life. But the difference is, I think, is that the position these people are in. Like, yes, Ray is ignorant of the force like luke was at the time but it she has a very different motivations very different background than i think uh luke did in in a new hope i think that that's also true for finn uh, who's a very different character and poe maybe there are some similarities to the kind of person that he is to someone like a han but they still feel very different and all that's to say is that i think the arc of the story is it is a probably a fair critique to make of the film, but it feels also like a, a surface level critique when there's a lot more going on a little bit deeper down. And I know that's not what you're saying either, but I just want to do do call that out. And I think that that difference, that major difference you see also comes in in the, you know, quote unquote villain uh, of this film and and one of the main antagonists of the sequel trilogy, or at least one who's being set up to be the main antagonist of the sequel trilogy. And that's Kylo Ren. I think Adam Driver is someone that we're going to talk about a little bit more because he's someone that I really like to talk about when uh, we talk about when I talk with other people about about these movies because I think he is someone who, uh, if controversial isn't the right way to describe it, at least someone who de- has differing opinions on uh, the way his his character of Kylo and and what that represents for the sequel trilogy. But all that's to say is that I agree with Jay. This movie is a lot of fun. I love this film. I loved it when I first uh, saw it back in is it twenty fifteen. And yes. uh, it it hasn't it hasn't uh, dulled at all. I've seen it. Uh, I think this is probably my fourth time seeing seeing it. And like uh, Episode Five, uh, Empire Strikes Back, this movie just it never gets old. It's just as good every single time I watch it. Uh, I love it so much. And I will go ahead and tease that this uh, this movie and the rest of the movies that we'll talk about in the sequel trilogy. Uh, I assume unless he, unless this character just goes uh, inexplicably missing in the, in episode nine, uh, it's my favorite character in all of Star Wars. So I will tease that. Yeah. Well, quite a tease. I will not tease. I will not hide the ball. I will just come out 
and say that this is my favorite Star Wars movie. I have felt that way pretty much ever since I first saw the movie, uh, and it has remained true ever since. I don't know if it is objectively the best Star Wars movie, and frankly, I don't really care. Um, I, that's not really a question that I that I care to debate, because for me, this movie, how I feel about this movie is so tied to, so intertwined with my personal experience of going to the theater, watching this movie, anticipating this movie, um, and just my personal experience of watching the movie in the theater, like I can't, I can't disassociate it from that um, personal connection that I have to this particular movie, and the fact that okay, yeah, we we saw all the prequels in um, theaters, or at least I did, um, and at the time, yeah, okay, they were fine because I was a kid, but. Uh, you know, I was an adult at this point. I had looked back on the prequels and I realized, hey, these movies aren't actually that great. Um, and so I was, you know, in the same boat as most Star Wars fans as feeling very anxious, just really wanting a, gr a good movie. And, you know, there's, I mean, it doesn't take long, 20, 30 minutes in, honestly, you can sit back and, and say, this is a good, this is, this is a good movie. And then by the end, I think you can say, this is a great movie because I think, whether it's objectively the best or not, it is a great movie. Um, and yes, there are, it may borrow some plot elements of a new hope, but first of all, I think you can't blame JJ Abrams for going back to what works, right? Like the prequels obviously didn't work. Um, and I think that, and this is something we'll talk about with the last Jedi, but I think that it would have been very bold for JJ Abrams to try to do something completely new with the sequel trilogy and risk, you know, blowing it in the same way that George Lucas did with the prequels. Um, because I think that the place that the Star Wars fan community was in at that point would not have been very amenable to, um, you know, a, a lot of experimentation probably. And furthermore, that's just not J.J. Abrams' MO, right? Like he, he, is, he is brought in just like he was with the Star Trek franchise, to, to try and get everyone back on board with this franchise, uh, make a movie that will appeal to both diehard fans and to people coming to this franchise for the first time. And I think he does the same thing here with The Force Awakens. You can start anew um, with The Force Awakens and be hooked. And I think that even you know diehard fans like you and I, Scott, can uh, also, I mean, obviously also appreciate this film for what it is. I mean, Again, going back to the whole A New Hope thing, like maybe it is partially a retread, but like we never got to have that experience. And when I when I talk about my personal experience of watching the movie, that's what I mean. We weren't alive when A New Hope came out. So this movie is our A New Hope in a way. Uh, and so watching the movie for me in the theaters, I, I for the first time, you know, I felt like this is probably what people who, you know, are diehard Star Wars fans felt like when they watched a new hope in theaters for the first time, I was like, this, this is my new hope. And it's just the, you know, you have new characters, you have new locations. There are, there's so much that is new and that I appreciate because I think even watching the original trilogy as a kid, there's this feeling that, yeah, these movies have been out for 20, 25 years and it doesn't feel like, they belong to us, right? It feels like they belong to some past generation. And these char these characters, uh, you know, s people of, in older generations than us have lived with these characters for 20, 25 years. And, you know, coming to them for the first time, it, it always feels like you're at a little bit of a disadvantage from people who um, have spent so much time uh, with these characters. And that's not the same. Th and that's not the case with The Force Awakens. Obviously, we do have, you know, Han and Leia and Luke showing up um, in, in the movie. Um, but it's all about those new characters and JJ wisely turns the focus, um, to those new characters. Obviously we lose Han in this movie. Um, Luke doesn't appear until the very last shot of the movie. Um, and he's really focused on telling a new story with these new characters and the new characters are great. I think they are more well-developed than some of the characters in the old, um, original trilogy. And to your point, Scott, I think, Yes. First of all, Ray um, is a lot different from Luke Skywalker. You know, okay, maybe they dress similarly in the first scene and they're, they both live on desert planets. But I think the similarities don't go that far beyond that. Also, there's not a character like Finn in the original trilogy. There's just not because uh, all the stormtroopers, for the most part, are like 
they're they're they might as well be like uh, robots. Like they there are no sentient stormtroopers in the uh, in the original trilogy, uh, and that's what you get with Finn. So there's nothing like him in the original trilogy. And also to your point, Scott, Kylo Ren is a more vulnerable uh, villain than we have ever seen in Star Wars. Um, and I really appreciate what Adam Driver does with the role and uh, the direction that JJ goes with this character. Um, it, it, it feels fresh. So I think the, a new hope comparisons maybe, um, apply to the plot a little bit, but I think that what this movie, uh, aims for and succeeds at is being a great balance between creating this new narrative with new characters, um, that we can fall in love with and, you know, enough of that nostalgia for the original trilogy and for those old characters um, that is going to hook those fans. So I think J.J. is able to strike the perfect balance with this movie. And that is one of the many reasons why it's my favorite Star Wars movie. But to get into it a little bit more, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the characters and actors in the movie. um, But let's kind of break it up by the new characters and the old characters, um, because obviously we have a little of column A, a little of column B here. Jay, we'll start with talking about the new characters. Obviously, we've mentioned Ray, Finn, uh, Poe, um, Kylo Ren. Uh, we also have General Hux, the Donald Gleason character, um, Maz Kanata, who's Lu- Lupita Nyong'o's character, and BB-8, of course, um, the, who's you know the the new droid in the franchise. Uh, who stood out for you among this uh, this colorful cast of new characters? Guys, BB-8 is the best, right? I mean, He's pretty just to, to put that out there, I know I'm a big fan of BB-8 um, after this movie. I definitely, you know, and again, as I was, you know, starting the film, I was kind of, you know, just seeing where we would go. I was like, okay, like this is clearly going to be the droid of the movie. And I, he won me over so quickly. He is adorable. He's like, you know, he's great. And Scott, I want to know, do you feel anything for BB-8 in your cold uh connectionless heart yeah, for robots and animals <laughs> i mean not not as much as other people i think but i understand the appeal of him and i think he he serves the plot here right like he's important to the plot because he has the map he's not just like the token dog that you bring in in a movie to be like oh look at how cute the dog is and it serves no purpose other than just to get the audience on your side that's yeah, not bba don't, don't tell that to john wick <laughs> no yeah he you know he's important to the plot he keeps trying to bring ray back and he does cute things like give uh finn that little like fire thumbs up that was like one of my favorite moments <laughs> of the entire film and then to echo your point from earlier yeah like you know the cast is fresh um i don't think there's a bad character in this and you know as we kind of go down lo- like the list you know we'll talk about who i'm kind of higher and lower on um to start i guess to jump on finn just because he is so new yeah i mean i you know really enjoyed his perspective i watched it i like watching him you know kind of i mean obviously you know like struggle with his own you know i guess internal demons and then you know pretend to be the resistance you know watch him like get jabbed by han a little bit about that you know women always figure out the truth like you know a very like han way to essentially call him out on that um i'm a big fan of finn yeah i mean i i kind of already showed my hand a little bit about how I feel about a lot of these characters. Um, <clears throat> I will save the reveal of who my, who my favorite character is to our, when we talk about our MVPs, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think, you know, Finn, it, just to go off what, what Jay was saying here, I think Finn is that one exception for me who, as I've rewatched this film, I think isn't as strong of a character as I originally thought. I think that he's, I don't know if he's done a disservice or it's just not given the chance to, to develop that much. But when I, when I really sit back now and watch this movie and think about this character, I really, it, it, I'm really struggling to see past the fact that this guy is just somebody who like was a stormtrooper by like being forced to by birth. You know, he, they, they plucked him out. They didn't, he didn't have a name, et cetera, et cetera, which is obviously a very vulnerable position to be in as a person in terms of development. And I just don't know how far they take this character beyond him trying, like having this sort of, savior complex about trying to think that you know he's the one who needs to save right and i just don't think he serves more of a purpose and doesn't develop beyond that in this film just being other than the guy who like wants to save ray constantly and and prove time and time again that he's not able to do that which i think is part of part of the narrative of his character and and changing of the guard in that way but i have a really i guess the more times i revisit this movie i have a tougher time thinking that this character is a well-developed character but i think that's the exception because i think that the rest of these characters are really really strong you don't get that much from poe uh, i was gonna throw a- that out there then yes to kind of rebut your point about finn 
Um, but sorry, please. But the difference like, is Poe doesn't feel like a main character in, in this film. And, you know, we will we'll see if that changes over time. Like Finn and Ray are the, are the lead are the lead characters in this film. And I think you get so much from Ray. I mean, the story is really about Ray in, in, in many ways. And I don't think that you get much more than, um, you know, background, almost like a, a prop for Ray and, and Finn and, and setting her up uh, to kind of realize this development that we see in a lot of ways. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I just, it is something that I've felt more and more as I've revisited it uh, more frequently. And so that's how I felt. But like Ray is awesome. And I think Adam Driver's character, Kylo Ren, is absolutely incredible. I know a lot, at least I remember a lot of people having problems with his character or, or disliking how not scary, you know, in quotation marks, this character but he is. is scary, though. Let's, I mean, like, there, yes, he sure, has. I mean, we can talk about that in a second. I want to talk, talk about Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, we can we can revisit that, but I'm saying, let, let, like, just entertain that for a second, um, because that is what a lot of people were saying, like, oh, he's not menacing like Darth Vader. I'm like, yeah, but like, also, and I mentioned this very briefly, like, Darth Vader's not an interesting character uh, in the original trilogy. Like, he is the ultimate archetype of a villain, and that makes him iconic for that reason. And it doesn't mean that he's a bad character, but he's not super interesting, especially not in A New Hope. And what I love about Adam Driver, uh, Adam Driver's Kylo Ren, is that immediately you get the sense that you know this person isn't darth vader he either lacks ability or is insecure about his about his power and his position and and i think it's and the movie i think leaves it unclear which it is right maybe it's a little bit of both um and because you know he, he hasn't completed his training we get that from snoke at the end of the film that he hasn't completed that training and i just think adam driver plays it absolutely perfectly uh you know it, it's really a toss-up for me in terms of the actual acting performances uh between him and him and ray uh, and I just love both of those performances so much. Yeah, I mean, those are the standouts, I think, for sure. I mean, Finn, yeah, I think they probably could have explored a little bit more the angle of him being a stormtrooper, uh, because I think that's the most interesting part of his story. And early on, I think we get some good stuff, you know, with this first battle scene that takes place and him on Jakku and him really being, you know, uh, traumatized by what he sees in the battle with the, you know, the stormtroopers gunning down all of these innocent villagers, basically um, that the blood stain on his helmet is a really sort of arresting image that I like a lot. Um, but I'm not sure that it goes too terribly far beyond that. Other than like, I had to get out of there because bad things were happening. I don't think there's, they could have, you know, looked at, looked at his PTSD a little bit more, maybe. Um, I think that would have been an interesting angle, but at the same time, John Boyega has such great charisma throughout this movie. And I really do like the scenes between him and Ray, because in a way they're in similar situations, right? They're, they're outsiders. They are, um, you know, going against the establishment and they've kind of been abandoned by everyone around them. Um, and so, you know, they, they have a connection there um, that I think really works in the scenes between the two of them. But yes, it, it's mostly about Ray and Kylo for me. I think Daisy Ridley is awesome as Ray. Um, she had never really acted before this movie, which is kind of incredible. Um, but I like that, you know, we get just enough of the backstory of this character. We get some flashbacks of her being separated from her parents. We don't exactly know what's going on. Of course, we will learn a little bit more in The Last Jedi. But um, we but we see, you know, the effect that the, that, that has had on her, um, first of all, because she's had to fend for herself. Um, and th I think that that's one of the things that makes her different and much more likable and much better than Luke. Um at least the new the version of Luke we see in A New Hope. She's not, you know, out here whining about wanting to go to Tadashi Station to pick up the um, power converters or whatever Luke was whining to Uncle Owen about in um, in A New Hope. She is like a strong character who is like, you know, in control of um, what's in control of the situation because she's had to be for the last 10, 15 years of her life having been separated from her family. Um, and I think that just makes her a, a more identifiable character from the very beginning than, than Luke was. And so I appreciated that, but I also appreciate like the aspects of this character where she's, she has been so sheltered, right? She's lived sort of in this bubble on Jakku for her whole life. And now all of a sudden she's being asked to, you know, defend the galaxy and she's, she's pulled right into this galactic war that's going on. Um, one of my favorite scenes is when they go to Takodana and she is like looking out at the 
you know, she says something like, I've never seen anything this green before. Um, and she's like looking out, um, you know, over the, the water and, you know, the forest and everything on Takodana. And uh, there's just a great, you know, shot of her from behind looking out uh, over that uh, beautiful scenery and the effect that that clearly has on her, you know, leaving her planet really for the first time. She's doing a lot of things that are new for her in this movie, uh, but she seems to take to some of them very well. Uh, and as for Kylo Ren, I think he's a great villain. And I think he is scary to go back to what I was saying earlier. I mean, some of these scenes, we he does things that we've never seen in Star Wars before, right? Like he is like holding people in like this, like mental paralysis uh, to where they like can't even move like he does to Ray. Um, then we have that like one scene where it's like, he, she's strapped down and he they're, they're having like this mental sort of like tug of war, which like that's not something that we've ever seen in Star Wars. Really, that's not an aspect of the Sith powers that we've have ever really seen access before. Um, and it's this really, you know, kind of disturbing psychological sort of terror that's going on as they're uh, going back and forth in this scene. And of course, you know, we do see him doing some Darth Vader stuff to like his underlings and, um, you know, cutting them down when they're uh, screwing up. Um, he doesn't so cut I, anyone down when they're screwing up. Well, he doesn't. He What what scene am I thinking of then? Well, he 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 like force chokes one of them, but then yeah, lets yeah, them go. But he like takes a lightsaber to like all the equipment on the wall. Like right, he right, has right. A, he has a really short temper. Uh, I mean, at least more volatile. At least it looks yes. more volatile than what Vader ever had. But I don't think he ever kills in any of the force, first order people. But Jay, correct me if I'm wrong there. No, I think you're right. Uh, I think you're right about that too. Um, but the point is, he is scary, but he is also vulnerable, and he's also a human being. And that is just called having a well-rounded character. I understand that Star Wars fans may not be used to that when we're talking about villains, but uh, that is exactly what Kylo Ren is. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of complexity to this character, and the the anguish that he clear, is clearly feeling during, you know, that scene with him and Han on the bridge. Um, is so much more believable than any of the turmoil and anguish that Anakin was supposed to be feeling during the prequels. Obviously, you have a much better actor here. Um, but I mean, that's kind of the point I'm making, I guess. I, I think the character is better. And and some of that is because the actor is better. Um, and some of that is just because of J.J. Abrams writing as well. Um, or Lawrence Kasdan and whoever uh, did the writing on this. But um, Adam Driver is just so good. Yeah, so, he's fantastic. Every time I see um, an, a movie with him in it, it just gets he just gets better and better. Anything else we want to talk about with the new characters before we move on to the old favorites? I mean, so I'll come in uh, maybe because, and this might be because I haven't seen The Last Jedi yet, um, but I'm going to split the uprights on your takes about uh, Rey and uh, Kylo Ren and that I won't rehash all the things you said about Rey because I agree, like, you know, she is like different enough from Luke and like I really do like her. And I'm not about to say that I don't like Kylo Ren as a villain. Uh, I'll say this was kind of my trajectory with him. So there's the opening scene where he stops the blaster, like in or the 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 blast in midair, like you know, chills. That was awesome, like super wow. Um, and then the kind of like the movie goes on for a while, and I don't know if it's because I think the mask is silly or his voice just goes kind of weird with it or what, but something about it didn't really click with me that well. And then when you have the scenes that you describe, like the tug of war, you know, where he like, he, you know, he's not wearing the mask. I think, honestly, I think that's a bit, I think I can pretty much like distinguish like the parts I really like about him or when he's not wearing the mask, <laughs> maybe just because he can deliver more of like a convincing performance like that, you know, to go back to what you mentioned, like with that scene at the end, like to me, you know, his, his character gets better and better as the movie goes on, but I didn't start super high on it. And I feel like maybe that's, I don't know why some people couldn't, necessarily get past it is it to me aside from like stopping the blaster in midair it kind of is a weird shaky start like i don't really feel anything when he starts destroying equipment and he doesn't look that threatening you know in the mask right but, but i think that's i think that's the point though they're, I no, think that's I, I'll, what I'll they're trying to do with a character yeah and no and i'm saying like that's that's what i really liked is you know at the end like i'm a little bit higher on him because you know there's there's so much more to him than just this like you know mini vader right like so I guess like what I'm saying is, yeah, I didn't start as hot on him. I'm ending, you know, somewhat optimistic. I'm, we'll see where he goes, how he recovers, you know, emotionally from being beaten by, you know, these two people who have never had entered any like discernible interaction with the force and also taking a lightsaber to the face, which he somehow survived. Um, 
I mean, Fintech's a lightsaber to the back. But I think the point is like you need if you if you take what you're like what you've laid out for Kylo, I think that you need the first half of the film with the mask on to fully appreciate the second half. Uh, like, and I can understand, and and you're not definitely not alone. Plenty of people do not like Kylo at all, but especially with with the mask, they think it's silly. Like they like they just think the character is silly, and I don't agree with that personally. But I understand some of where they're coming from, and I think that you need that to fully appreciate what happens. You know, when he takes the mask off with yeah. Ray, I'll see that to you for sure. Um, and, and that's yeah. one of the that I mean that kind of cuts against the New Hope thing as well. I mean, I think that's an area where JJ is trying to subvert this comparison to a new hope because Darth Vader, obviously he keeps his helmet on the whole time. And, you know, because of that, he's kind of closed off. And so that's kind of how Kylo Ren is set up in the first half of the movie. But then JJ's like, no, we're going to make him take the mask off. We're going to actually try to understand who he is underneath the mask, which is something that we probably never really got with Darth Vader, at least until the prequels. Um, yeah, I mean, basically the bottom line is Vader's a real Mandalorian and Kylo's a fake. <laughs> this is the way. Uh, okay, let's get to those old favorite characters who we see showing up here. Um, you know, the main ones, I guess, are Han, Chewie, and Leia, um, who play a pretty significant part. Uh, we get C-3PO and R2, not, uh, albeit not in super significant roles. And then even less significantly in this movie, at least, uh, we have Luke showing up at the very end and, you know, an incredible ending to the movie, it must be said, um, with, you know, Mark Hamill silently standing there. Uh, it's pretty epic, but, uh, Jay, what were your thoughts on the appearances of these old characters, uh, coming back? Obviously Han bites the dust. We'll talk a little bit more about his death and, um, whether we feel like he got a fitting send off, but on the whole, what, how did you feel about the, these characters coming back into the fray? Yeah, so I mean, for me, it hadn't been as long uh, as it had been for everyone since we, you know, had seen these characters. Uh, that being said, you know, it was still, you know, good to see them, you know, even though we're getting all these new characters that, you know, we're growing attached to, like, it was nice to have that old remnants. Obviously, we didn't get as much of it. Um, and I'm a little bit sad about how Han's life kind of turned out, especially having just seen Solo, you know, seeing that he kind of reverted back to that smuggler thief type person. Um but, you know, it was good to see him, good to see him on the Falcon, right? You know, when he walks on and says, Chewie, we're home. Like, that's a great moment, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was good to include them. Uh, I think they served, like, you know, j- just the right amount of importance in the film. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk again about the big scene at the end. But I think, you know, they, they lend they, – I think they do a good job passing the torch. Yeah, talking of the Falcon too, how great is the first moment where we see it when they're talking about that ship over there is garbage and you don't know what they're talking about and then you just have that great shot as it pans over and reveals that the ship that they're talking about is the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, I was the like, garbage will do. Like, it has yes, the garbage will do. I remember watching that in theaters for the first time and being like, uh, Scott, no, one, no one's flown that piece of junk in years. Yeah, right. Uh, Scott, your thoughts on the old characters showing up here? I mean, Han and Chewie, obviously, they have the largest role of people who are returning and they have the largest impact. I think that, you know, you get a full 45 minutes, a 45 minute dose of those new characters. And then you get a a nice shock to the system when Han and Chewie board board the Falcon. And, you know, you talk about if if there's any point in the film that has that pulls at your heartstrings and and hits that nostalgic tone. It's that right. They're walking on the Falcon saying we're home. I mean, like if. I think I was, I think I cried when I first watched that scene in the, cause it was in the trailer uh, for one of the trailers for the force awakens. And I was like, I remember tearing up when I was watching the, the, the trailer and I think I was in the library. Uh, when I was watching it for the first time and I wasn't crying about homework. Shocker. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was really great. And I, and I think Han, you know, Harrison Ford as, as Han, he, I think that he does get a rightful enough. I think that, everything you could have hoped for from this character beyond playing a major role in the sequel trilogy. And, you know, he gets a major role in this film. I think that he, you get the full suite of performance from Harrison Ford. Like you get kind of flashes of that roguish uh, character that we feel and experience and the height of which is in, is in Empire Strikes Back in episode five. Uh, but throughout that original trilogy, I think you get that in moments. You also get this kind of evolved role of, you know, being kind of a nurturing mentor for 
for Ray especially, uh, but also Finn in some ways as well. And, and I think that I really appreciate that. And then his dynamic with Chewie. I know there's a mix of both Peter Mayhew and uh, his replacement, who we talked about last time because his replacement fully took over for Solo. But it's mostly Peter Mayhew and that chemistry between Harrison Ford and and Peter Mayhew is is still there, is still awesome. And uh, in that sense, because it was both of these actors' last films in the Star Wars universe, it felt like the right send off. And I, you know, I'm a huge fan of of the scene where Han does uh, bite the dust or bite the reactor as he gets thrown down into it. But you know, we all talk about all the time about people who've uh, been hit by a lightsaber and who fall into uh, a pit of electricity or reactor or whatever the heck you want to call it we'll see is anyone truly gone uh we don't know but yeah i uh i i was really pleased with harrison ford uh and, and his send-off as han as for some of the other characters they're mere you know teasers for these characters uh they don't really get to play a significant role and so in that sense i don't really have too much of an opinion on the other ones yeah, no, I mean, I think it is about Harrison Ford. Jay, I don't know if you are aware of this, but Harrison Ford only agreed to come back at, for this movie if his character was going to die. Um, and so I think that that knowing that kind of makes you would have made me think going into it that like if I had known this, that oh maybe he's just going to phone it in. He's obviously kind of tired of this character. He doesn't want to be associated with um, this role for his whole life. Um you know, but but that's not the performance that he gives her, right? Like he channels that old Han Solo. He's very committed to giving Han the send send off that he deserves. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I guess there, to your point, Jay, there is some, there is a little bit of sadness in seeing that you know he and Leia aren't really together anymore, um, and that he's back to his old ways. But I think that that's just who Han Solo is, right? You you can uh, you can't change a leopard's spots. Um, and I think that's kind of uh, the gist of what we see with Han in this movie. But ultimately, you know, he does get to have that moment of reconnection with with uh, Leia before he uh, is killed. And I, so I think that's great. Um, and seeing Carrie Fisher here, um, albeit for a few brief moments, um, again, we'll get more in The Last Jedi. Um, I like seeing her uh, here in this role as general of the resistance, it feels like exactly where we would expect her to be um, after watching return of the Jedi. Um, so yeah, that, that, that feels right. And um, I, you know, I would have liked to see a little more uh, of C-3PO and R2, but obviously R2 gets to have a little moment there at the end where, because he, he has the other part of the map um, that leads to Luke. And so um, good on him. Um, okay, guys, let's talk a little bit about, something that struck me a little bit this time was how good the action sequences are in this movie. Um, I, I, in particular, just, just to go ahead and give one that I particularly enjoyed the, the escape from Jakku uh, with Ray and Finn uh, and BB eight on the millennium Falcon. Uh, I thought it was a really exciting scene. I love um, their like escape when the, the tie fighters are chasing them obviously. And, um, Ray like sends the ship into like a free fall at that one point. And as it's falling, like Finn shoots the guy and then Ray like dr brings the ship back up, steadies it right before it like crashes. And I thought that was just like an epic um, action moment, but the whole, the whole chase sequence uh, with them and then, um, you know, getting on the Falcon and the, the escape there, them kind of both discovering like Ray one that she's a really good pilot and Finn that he, you know, is, is good at being the gunner, even if he struggles a little bit at first. Um, I enjoyed that action sequence. Obviously there's a lot more in the movie. Um, were there any others that stood out for you guys? So the first uh, escape scene when Poe and Finn are, uh, you know, getting yes. off, you know, they, they become buddies so fast is what I wrote. I, I was just like, I, I think it's, I, you know, I was like, you know, scribbling stuff down. I was just like, they become homies so fast. I do like um, the bromance though. <laughs> yes. And uh, I was a big fan of that too. So, you know, kind of watching that develop while they're, you know, trying to escape. When they, uh, when they reconnect with each other on Taco Donna and they just like run and like hug each other. I was like, what a tender moment. Right. And he gives him his jacket too. You know, yeah. Too, like Technically that not on Taco Donna, but that doesn't matter. I thought it was. Nah, it's back on the wherever the resistance base is in the aluminium system. It was the car, right? Okay. Yeah, go with that. Um, yeah, and then just to talk about a different type of action sequence, um, when Ray figures out how to do the Jedi mind trick um, to free herself, right? Yes. I mean, that was 
it was cool. Like you definitely, you know, you kind of felt the fear in her, you know, as she's trying to like figure it out. And then she, you know, I guess hits that peak and just very level-headedly, you know, you will remove these restraints and you're like, Oh, how did she, what? Like, I will tighten awesome. these restraints. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was an awesome scene. Yeah. I mean, the action sequences are great. I guess, I mean, I, I, I totally agree with what you were saying around the particular, the escape from Jacques scene. I've always thought that scene is amazing. And I didn't realize that you, I guess, didn't have the same appreciation uh, for it, no, but no, I, it's I, awesome. Yeah, I did. I, I don't know. I just noticed it a little bit more this time. Totally. Totally. I think rather than just kind of hit the same notes that, that Jay just talked about and that I'm sure that you could also talk about because the action scenes are great. One of the things that I think that I noticed on this watch, because it is the first time I've seen it since uh, watching it for The Last Jedi, before The Last Jedi, is just, and I think this is something that I've noticed more as I've just started watching more movies and, of course, us doing you know, some like it, Scott, is the camera work in this movie is like a thousand times better than in any of the other movies, yeah. especially any of the older movies. Like, there are so many great tracking shots there are several good like wide shots as well uh still wide shots and i think that those that camera work i think is what enhances and makes the action scenes so much more engaging so much more intense than i think anything that one was we were technically capable of maybe doing with the uh original trilogy but the prequel trilogy too right like maybe the lightsaber battles in this one uh aren't as good as we get in the prequel trilogy, but I think that it makes up for like the in the opening sequence when uh, Poe is visiting Lord Santeca, gets the map. You get this scene of him running out towards his uh, towards his fighter before it gets destroyed, and it's just um, this great tracking shot of him with BB-8, and that's amazing. And you get that on the escape from Jakku before they board the Falcon. You get this really long tracking shot of. Uh, of Ray and Finn and BB-8 running running around hectically with the TIE fighters in the background. So you can see them all in one shot. You can see them running and the fighters in the background. And that's consistent throughout the film. The camera work is phenomenal. Great job uh, by the DP here. And I think that is what really adds layers uh, onto some of these action sequences and makes, in some ways, what could be seen objectively in, in terms of what's happening on the scene as your average Star Wars action, which is you know above average for most films, because the action we get in Star Wars is amazing. But I think it really enhances uh, those those elements and really makes it more engaging and more intense. Yeah, and one other thing which I think adds to the that scene, that opening scene, and also the final you know lightsaber showdown between um, between Kylo and then Finn and Rey um, is they're dark scenes uh, like the light lighting of them. Like it is, it is dark outside when they are, when these scenes are going on. And I think that's not something you get a lot of in star Wars, to be honest, uh, or at least, you know, in the original trilogy um, with the exception of maybe like the end of empire strikes back. Um, a lot of the action sequences that we get are, you know, sort of bright and colorful. And um, I think that's not the case here. It's it's dark. It feels like grimy. If it reminds me of some of the sequences from Rogue One, like we talked uh, about, how that movie kind of had a very similar feel in, in some of the action sequences. And I like that here. It's it is sort of a, a hint that they're going for something a little bit more intense um, than perhaps you got in the in in the original trilogy or in the prequels. Uh, and so I like that small aspect of the action scenes. Um, Guys, let's talk though about we we've hit we've hint, hinted around it, um, and uh, I think it's time we say our piece. If there's anything left to say about Han's death scene, obviously a really um, emotional moment for a lot of Star Wars fans. Um, Han confronting his son uh, Kylo Ren, trying to bring him uh, back from the dark side, um, and Kylo. You know, again, credit to Adam Driver's performance. You see him really grappling uh, with you know, the pull of the dark side, but also the pull of his father. Um, and uh, I think that, uh, again, he, he portrays that way more effectively, that same sort of um, struggle way more effectively than we saw with Hayden Christensen in the prequels. Um, Jay, Scott, anything you guys want to add about this scene and maybe how it affected you? Did you see it coming? What are your thoughts? Nothing ever goes well in a Star Wars movie on a high bridge, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think the movie was pretty clear in you know building up to the fact that Han was probably going to bite the dust, 
uh, I did not know, you know, uh, what you said about him only agreeing to come back to the role if they were going to kill him off. Um, that being said, yeah, he definitely doesn't just phone it in. Like, you know, the, I feel like everything he does in the movie right up to this and including this scene, you know, is a good send off for him. And kind of like I hinted at earlier uh, was, you know, my favorite scene involving uh, Adam Driver's Kylo Ren. Like, you know, like you said, you really do kind of feel that pull and that internal struggle in a uh, you know, in a way that makes me appreciate him more than I did at any other point uh, in the movie. Yeah, sure. I think, yeah, th- I think this last scene, uh, <clears throat> Han's last scene here, phenomenal. I mean, also just an incredible, just playing off my last point, an incredible shot, a uh, wide shot of all the different players in this in this whole uh, sort of room, this very large room. You have this, the wide shot is, with Ray and Finn at the top and like the third floor mm-hmm. with a light coming through from what is, you know, barely left of the sun, Chewie on the second level. And then of course, Kylo and Han on the catwalk and it's a gorgeous shot. And it really, I think captures the gravity and, and the quality of this scene. Cause I think both from Harrison Ford and Adam driver, you know, they're doing their absolute best there. And they, I think they really elevate this scene because you know, I'm thinking about even you know, Hayden Christensen aside, like even other performers in the in the Star Wars universe. Like, I don't think that Mark Hamill could do a scene like that that well. I just don't. I don't think that he had he had it in him uh, in the original trilogy. I don't think that you could see that Luke Skywalker uh, doing a scene like that. I don't think that you could get a scene like that from Darth Vader either, just because it's not the kind of character that he is. Uh, and so to to see that captured, I think that that moment is is a moment that is that is that belongs and is unique to the sequel trilogy in that sense, as many comparisons as there are and rightful comparisons that there are in the plot to, to the original, uh, to the original trilogy. And maybe even then you could say that this is maybe some sort of comparison to Obi-Wan and, and Vader doing battle um, from, from a new hope, but I don't see it that way uh, personally, because I think that what's happening there is something very different. Now, you know, Han, Han doesn't go into, uh, doesn't go onto that bridge um, expecting to sacrifice himself for the for the greater group there. He's he's trying to and believes he can win uh, his son back, and that's not something that Obi Wan ever thought he could do for Anakin uh, and, and Vader in Episode Four. But that aside, I just think that the, the scene is perfect, and uh, Chewie goes absolutely Wookie at the end of the scene, so that also helps. Yeah, very reminiscent of you know when Han gets frozen in carbonite and in Empire Strikes Back, Chewie has a very similar reaction, of course. Um, yeah, I like the fact that, and, and you know, we've talked about how Han is kind of the same smuggler thief guy he always was, and I think that is somewhat true. But I think that this scene also shows just how far that Han has come from the Han that we get in A New Hope. I mean, the Han that we get in A New Hope is this sort of rogue guy. He doesn't have really the time of day for anyone but himself and Chewie. Um, And a lot of his arc in the original trilogy is about him discovering this family um, and, you know, with Luke and Leia and, and all of his friends. Um, And so it feels right, right. That, that um, he, this last scene, it's about family for him. Like his son, uh, he has to be the one to go out and try to, you know, convince his son to, um, you know, to turn away from the dark side. And that's not something that the Han in A New Hope would have ever done. Um, and even if it ultimately costs him his life, um, he's become a better person over the course of the um, of the of these movies. And I think that's really what this last scene is all about. Because again, the Han of the original trilogy, uh, or at least you know, of A New Hope, would not have gone out there to try and uh, talk his son off the ledge, so to speak. Uh, but because of this family that he's he found in the original trilogy um he's become a b- different and better person um and yeah yes he he dies but um you know we we can appreciate that the impact that he has made in the lives of these new characters even in just the short time i mean we see they are they are racked by his death as well um much in the same way that that luke uh took obi-wan's death hard in the in a new hope so um I think it's I think it's absolutely a worthy send off. And no, it wasn't something that I saw coming uh, when I saw yeah, it. Same for me. When I saw it for the first time, I, I was genuinely surprised. I didn't think he would necessarily bring Ben home with him. Yeah. But uh, I also did not expect him to go out like that. It's brutal, right? And I mean, again, that goes to that intensity that we're talking about that is a little bit more present in the, you know, in, in this movie than in others. Like, yes, there are some dark moments in 
uh, all of the movies, but um, I think that, uh, you know, a son stabbing his father through the chest with a lightsaber, you know, that's that's about as tough as it gets. Uh, that's about as tough as you're going to get in a Star Wars movie. So. Yeah, I mean, Vader chopped, chopped his son's arm off or hand off or whatever, but, you know. This is different, though. I mean, it this, is different. This, this is worse it is than different. that. Um, <laughs> it's worse than that. <laughs> it, it is. Um, okay, uh, one last thing, I guess, to talk about. I mean, we, we've we've talked a lot about it. Uh, I've really said my piece about it. Uh, but if you guys have anything else to add about this movie's relationship to A New Hope, which you know is probably the most common critique of the movie, that it feels too similar to A New Hope. I think you guys have said a few things about it, but... Scott or Jay, anything else you want to add about this movie's relationship to A New Hope? Just to circle back, I guess, to what we said and, uh, you know, Scott's uh, pushing back on, you know, calling out the similarities. I mean, they are pretty surface level. And, you know, to harp on how much fun the movie is, I guess it doesn't really matter, you know, in the end that they were that similar. Um, you know, that being subjective to, you know, how much you want to nitpick it. Um, the movie ultimately, you know, does, I guess if I had to you know, put myself in the shoes of someone who hadn't seen a star, a good star Wars movie, especially in a while, you know, I think it very successfully revitalizes the franchise, you know, using elements of the past, but also giving us plenty of new stuff to work with. Yeah. You know, I, I, I do push back on it because I think that the, the film overall, it does, it does so much more and is an evolution of the new hope or, or yeah, of a new hope. If anything, that being said, like I, I do want to raise my hands and say it, like it, probably is more similar than it needs to be uh, to a new hope. I understand the logic maybe of, of JJ and, and, and Kasdan wanting to revisit, revisit that and, and, you know, kind of lean on some of those tried and true higher level plot points in the film. But like, does star killer base need to be a death star? Like, does it, does it really need to yeah. be? I mean, that is the this one. Is I different. It is bigger. Yeah, guys, this is the Death Star, and this is Star Wars. <laughs> it literally fair. uses a sun to destroy planets. Uh, yeah, I think that's the that's the moment, right? Like, th- like, does it need to be a, a Death Star? Like, probably not, right? Like, probably doesn't need to be. But that's my biggest moment, right? Because the, all the things that are talked about in terms of like the higher level overview of like who Ray is is this like desert scavenger that Jay was bringing up earlier. Like, I see the similarities. I do. I just it just doesn't bother me in that way. The Star Killer based thing is just like I don't know, dude. I don't know if that was necessary. Uh, but besides that, it feels right. That I mean, I'm not sure if they're using Star Killer base because it is tried and true. I mean, they did it literally twice in the original trilogy already. Like, do they really need to do it again? Like, episode, you know, A New Hope was like big star destroyer in Death Star. In episode six, bigger Death Star. In episode Episode seven planet death star <laughs> like it is it is just wild in, in that way but you do get like a joking line from be like well it's gonna have a weakness they always do and i'm just like they don't have to have a weakness <laughs> um but it, it did galen urso didn't die for nothing there you go yeah that's true it's true in terms of similarities and differences and I, i'm surprised i mean maybe this is something you'll ask me at the end and i'm just jumping ahead but in terms of like ray's origin story I'm sure this was something that was hotly speculated for a while after. I don't know if we even get answers in The Last Jedi or not, right? But We don't know either. We'll I let mean, you find out when you watch the eighth episode. Of course. Um, but, you know, are, are we going to... If you tell me she's like this, uh, you know, uh, Emperor General, Emperor Snoke's daughter, you know, that, that would be too much, right? You'll find out. I will. I, I mean, the last thing I will say is just that, and not not to go too far down this road, but I do think that... This criticism, while not unwarranted, it is probably most heavily touted by a certain subset of Star Wars fans who are just just want to find anything uh, to complain about because this movie is not, you know, their original trilogy. Uh, they're, they're gatekeepers they're, of what what counts right. as good Star Wars. There are yeah. so, there are some Star Wars fans who will just never never like another Star Wars movie because it's it's not the original trilogy. MVPs of The Force Awakens, Jay. Um, you know, it's it's tough, but I think I have to give it a Han. Um, you know, he he comes in, you know, right from the beginning, tugs on the heartstrings, you know, we are home, and you know, we get to see like elements of you know his like you know, you know, roguish behavior. We also see him, you know, at the end having taken like strides and you know, making this family, uh, as you guys mentioned earlier, and 
you know, I, I'm really excited to see what happens next. And I guess that's the last time I will, or the second to last time I'll say that because we're almost all caught up. Um, but this, you know, he did a really good job for me, like, you know, tying up the original, uh, you know, a lot of feelings from the original trilogy and, you know, get it, setting the stage for what's to come. Because I, I can only imagine, you know, I mean, I don't know how much time we'll spend on this, but, you know, how Kylo Ren has changed after having done what he did to Han. Yeah, Scott, your MVP. Yeah, I mean, guys, I teased it at the beginning. This movie introduces my favorite Star Wars character into Mas the universe. I, okay, I, actually, I'm really glad that you brought Maz Kanata because I don't think Lupita Nyong'o gives enough, gets enough credit for being an like an absolutely amazing voice role. Like Maz is awesome. I like Maz is like there's so many great characters in this film, and many of them are in the supporting in the supporting cast. I mean, obviously Finn and F- Finn and and Ray and Poe and Kylo get a lot of the praise for being those new characters that really pop on screen. But I think Maz is someone who really pops on screen and, you know, being voiced by Lupita Nyong'o in like, honestly, it's so ironic that Lupita Nyong'o is like 25 years old when she's voicing this character in the movie. And this character is like thousands and thousands yeah. and thousands of years old. And she nails the voice. Like she nails it. Um, which I just think uh, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine that voice being anything other than what it is with Lupita, but the best character in the Star Wars universe, BB eight, absolute, absolute God. Wow. Legendary character. Big will not. There's no one that will ever top BB-8 in the Star Wars universe. I think for me, I freaking love that droid. <laughs> okay, is. so come back. Is is your MVP Adam Driver or is your MVP BB-8? BB-8. Okay. Hundred percent. Fair cool. enough. Uh, and I'm gonna give it to Ray. I mean, Ray is the background of my phone for a reason right now. I love this character. Um, I am looking forward to more from this character. I'm looking forward to rewatching The Last Jedi, even because it has been a minute since I saw it. Um, but for the reasons that I've already said, I think this character is a, a significant step up from the Luke Skywalker that we get in A New Hope um, and is, is a lot easier to root for. And um, yeah, it's great to see a female Jedi character too for the first time. Um, yeah, I was going to go back and say that because one of the things yeah. you're talking about with like the, the toxic fanboys of Star Wars not sure. liking new movies, that they don't like that there's a black stormtrooper and they don't like that there's a female lead. Like that's just the fact. They just don't like it that yeah. much. Um, and it's it's pathetic. It's pathetic. The same people who were lashed out against Captain Marvel. Now, Captain Marvel actually wasn't a very good movie, but anyway, uh, it, it wasn't because of that. Um, okay, right. Brie Larson sucks as an actress. Oh yes, totally. <laughs> uh, favorite scene or moment from this movie, Jay? The favorite scene uh, has to go, you know, to the Han's death, right? I mean, it not something I enjoyed, of course, but, you know, it's something that, you know, really tugged at me. And, you know, I had to go back and watch that a couple of times just because, again, like it, it did just that. Like it was tugging at the heartstrings and it, you know, was, I think, really well played on all parts. Yeah, no, I I mean, that's a, that's a great scene. I think it's a worthy scene. I, I mean, I mentioned how awesome I thought the particularly the, the wide shot there is of the of the whole room. And that would that definitely is one of the scenes that pops to mind is as a great scene. But the thing is, I, I feel like I've said this in a couple of our podcasts. There's just so many incredible moments uh, in, in the in this film, and in particular, you really do have um, you, you really are spoiled. I think with fantastic scenes and moments from this film. And one of the things that this isn't my favorite scene, and I'll get to that in a second. But one of the things that I really love about this movie that we haven't talked about is just the opening shot. The fact that the movie and the film doesn't immediately go to Jakku and show you. Um, Poe going to Lor Santaka, and it starts with the First Order uh, stormtroopers on the ships that are going to Jakku. I think that, that sets the tone and the atmosphere for the movie. And maybe I'm a sucker for those types of um, that type of atmospheric shot, uh, which doesn't really tell you anything at all about what's what's going to happen in in the movie. You know, over the course of the arc, I would introduce you to any characters, but it really sets the tone so so well. And I think that was a great way to to start the movie. As for my actual favorite scene you know if i if i'm not picking that scene in in uh the room where han does uh is killed is killed by ben but i I think that one of the things that you just have to love about this film even though it might be one of those things that's a little bit inexplicable is ray breaking out i mean someone i think someone mentioned it already maybe it was uj maybe it was scott uh when you know she's breaking out after kylo attempts to interrogate her and fails uh and then breaks out has obviously the kind of um jedi mind trick on on the stormtrooper takes a couple attempts and then she starts to explore those powers become more 
more powerful. I mean, I think one of the fair criticisms of the film is that it maybe it doesn't make sense for Ray's powers to develop so quickly and her to become so competent uh, as a Jedi, specifically related to Kylo uh, and, and his, perf- I mean, his, like who he is and his level of training. I guess is the right way to put it. And I think that is one thing that's incredible. I don't mind so much the fact that she's exploring her powers. I think that's something that that it becomes clear that she is a very powerful force user and she's someone who hasn't yet tapped into her abilities and something of course that you know the rest of the trilogy even the movie that we haven't seen yet is going to be exploring about you know what makes her who she is right that's that's such a core integral part of this arc for ray uh, understanding who she is it's it's also true here in in the force awakens as well and so i think that the, i don't mind that part so much but the whole lightsaber duel at the end with kylo uh I, that for me still leaves my head scratching a little bit along with why they decided to make another Death Star. But those are probably the two biggest points for me. But yeah, favorite scene, definitely getting to enjoy Rey, uh, flexing her Jedi mind trick and her Force abilities uh, and starting to get a little bit more of that. Yeah, for me, you know, Scott, earlier this year when we watched Avengers Endgame, we talked about how it was like one of the greatest theater going experiences we've ever had. Um, And I think the same goes for me with this movie and particularly like the last four or five minutes of the movie. Um, Starting with the moment when Ray gets back on the ship and Leia gives her that, may the force be with you. Like it was just chills from that moment on to the very end. And, you know, Ray hiking up the mountain, we see Luke there. She holds out the lightsaber and then there's just that cliffhanger ending. The John Williams music comes in. But by the way, we didn't really mention it that much, but the John Williams music is fantastic here and Ray's theme slaps. It might might be like my favorite piece of music in the Star Wars um, universe The is Ray's theme. Uh, it, it's so great. Um, and it, again, just adds to why I love the character. But uh, it's, an, it's an amazing ending. And yeah, one, one of the memories of seeing a movie in a theater that I will always have is um, is watching these last five minutes and being like, oh my gosh, not only did they just crush it, but I can't wait to see what the next movie is. Um, For a second, I thought you were going to say it, it was the moment where Ray Force pulls the lightsaber toward her and she catches it a la Captain America. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, that that is that's an awesome moment too. Uh, like you said, there are so many moments that I could pick out, and we've touched on a lot of them. But that that is the stretch of the movie which always sticks out uh, to me. I think probably for obvious reasons. But uh, scores, Jay, well, what would you give The Force Awakens? Uh, this one's definitely up there for me. You know, uh, like I said, it was a lot of fun. I, I know we pointed out some similarities to the uh, older movies, but you know, uh, I still had a really fun time watching it. Twice, I might add. Um, this movie gets a nine point two from me. Yeah, this this film is is fantastic. I you know I think I mentioned this even on the last episode too. With I don't know how my ratings are comparing across different episodes here, uh, but this one it might be one that actually in my favorite in my list of movies here at the end that we put we'll put together here after our final episode next week uh, will maybe higher than the score suggests. But I'm still giving it a high score. It's an eight point nine. And it's a 10 for me, obviously. Um, This is my favorite Star Wars movie. J.J. is the GOAT, uh, and I look forward to see what he can do uh, with The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, Can't wait for him to bring back Ewoks as he copies copies Return of the Jedi. (laughs) Nope. Uh, That's a nope. Um, Okay, guys, that should just about do it for this episode of the Star Wars Countdown discussing The Force Awakens. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have any, you'd like to support our podcast, please go to patreon.com slash media plug pods. Even if you can't support us, uh, don't forget to rate review, subscribe, do all the things you do on your podcast app and check out all of our other podcasts in the feed, uh, including some like it's Scott, where we're uh, still churning out episodes every week. Uh, we got knives out coming. Uh, well, knives out will be out by the time you hear this, but um Irishman and we're, we're hitting all of the big movies of the awards season. So stay tuned for those. Some like it's Scott episodes and stay tuned for the conclusion of the star Wars countdown uh, podcast. We've had a, a wonderful time doing this podcast and we're going to finish it off on a nice non-controversial note uh, by reviewing episode eight, Ryan Johnson's uh, the last Jedi on the finale of the star Wars countdown. But until then, for Scott Shelton and Jay Habib, I'm Scott Harvey. We'll see you next time. 